Welcome to the Make That Money Honey podcast. I'm your host, Sandra Joe, and each week I will be bringing you a combination of interviews and solo episodes with industry leaders in finance, entrepreneurship, and women in business. As a former certified financial planner turned financial coach and entrepreneur, I will be sharing my knowledge on how to have better conversations about money within your marriage, relationships, and family dynamics. I will also be teaching fundamental financial literacy about all of the topics that you wish you learned in school. This podcast will get you to think outside the box, create more abundance in your life, and improve your money mindset. So make sure to follow and tune in weekly, and it would mean the world to me if you shared these episodes with a friend and left me a five-star review. Welcome back for another episode of the Make That Money Honey podcast. I have the absolute pleasure of introducing Brooke Bailey, who delivers integrated business and wellness coaching solutions that help entrepreneurs amplify their influence and expand their wealth without burnout. Her vision is to normalize a balanced approach to entrepreneurship in which all women business owners can experience success without sacrificing their health. Brooke combines her expertise in both Eastern and Western approaches to self-awareness, productivity, and wellness to guide high-achieving women CEOs to grow their businesses and double their impact. She teaches entrepreneurs how to adopt simple but profound daily practices to enable them to rest, refocus their energy, and regain an ongoing sense of balance in every area of their lives. You can learn more on her website at www.sbrookbailey.com. Thank you so much and welcome to the show today, Brooke. I'm so happy to have you here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat with you today. Yeah, so we've met once before and I love what you're doing. I know that my myself personally, when I transitioned from corporate into entrepreneurship, I hit burnout several times in my first year of business. So I think this is an important topic, especially coming into a new year, it's like, how can we set ourselves up differently for 2023 so that we're not, um, you know, incorporating this hustle, hustle, hustle mentality Mm -hmm. and and then reaching burnout. So yeah, I'm looking forward to this interview today. Great. Yeah. Let's let's get into it. (laughs) Yeah. So um, firstly, can you talk a little bit about what wellness coaching is in terms of how you incorporate that into business coaching as well? Yes. So um, I have a background in wellness coaching, um, specifically on how to to align yourself with circadian rhythm. And it is distinct from business coaching in that um, we're basically looking at two different avenues of habits and boundaries, essentially. Under, uh, you know, after that factor, in, in other words, the topic is different, but ultimately the way that you achieve change in your wellness habits or your productivity habits is fairly similar once you start to build a certain level of self-awareness. And for me, it was important to combine the two, business coaching and wellness coaching, um, because I saw a need in the market. Just like we're discussing, this this kind of hustle culture um, drives all of us to overachieve, to overwork, and then to feel overwhelmed, (laughs) essentially. So what I saw from my wellness coaching experience was that, um, particularly for entrepreneurs, there is not a lot of support with their 
mental and physical wellness outside of getting maybe a personal trainer or a wellness coach. Um, whereas with business coaching, they're getting support on how to grow their business. But I saw a, a need in the market to bring these two together because we're one person. We're not two different people. <laughs> and I think that um, if we can get a nice, solid wellness foundation and platform in place that only serves our business and um, fuels our energy. So that's kind of how I see wellness coaching and business coaching coming together. Yeah. I love that because it's so true. You know, we, we talk about this work life balance concept where we, we talk about it almost as if they're two separate things, but Mm -hmm. they're not separate. We, I mean, we are our life and and for especially for female entrepreneurs and CEOs, our business is a large part of our existence, right? And being able to incorporate that and and understand that the two are directly connected. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so whatever's going on in your personal life, whatever's going on with your health, it's all going to have an impact on your business ultimately. Absolutely. And I'm sure you see that as a financial guide as well, that if something is not working, you know, in your financial house and... Uh, and you're not addressing it, eventually it um, peaks its its head in your professional life as well and your personal life. Yep, for sure. And that's one thing that I know causes a lot of people to reach burnout is their their financial stress and pressure. And that has a major impact on people's ability to sleep, on their ability to function at work. If they're stressing about finances, then they're having trouble focusing on whatever it is that they need to do to get them out of that position, which can lead to an unhealthy spiral and whatever coping mechanism they choose to use. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and ultimately that ends up, you know, being kind of the, the root of all of this in terms of uh, coaching and wellness and financial stability, whatever it is that you're trying to achieve in your life, it's really about unraveling, those patterns that you have and understanding, like building that level of self-awareness so that you understand how to change your habits and patterns. And then that can apply to anything. It can apply to your finances, your wellness, your productivity, your relationships, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. So I understand that you have spent some time abroad and you talk about the concept uh, from, you know, Eastern, I don't want to say Eastern medicine, but Eastern approaches to wellness How does that have an impact on the coaching that you do and your experiences with the Eastern practices and sort of bringing that back over to to our side of the pond? Sure. Well, I have had the the good fortune to um, travel, live and work abroad. And when I burnt myself out in the family business, um, I sort of went back to some of my experience traveling in that I knew that, you know, um, studying other cultures, being immersed in other cultures, what that did for me was increase my level of self-awareness. It made me very curious about why I did the things I did and why I believed the things I believed when I lived, uh, you know, in other countries <laughs> where people didn't necessarily uh, think the same way that I did. And so when I was looking for solutions for burnout, uh, I looked to the Eastern approach because I felt like um, my experience living in Japan had really taught me about the value of group culture. And I really noticed the distinction between uh, our Western society is more geared toward an individualist culture. 
and in particular Japan and the Eastern approach is more geared toward the group. So when I went to, to study, you know, ways to better manage, um, my health, my wellness, all of these things, I wanted to get that Eastern approach and I wanted to get that different perspective that was dealing with what seemed more, and now this sounds kind of, um, you know, like basic language to say it's more a holistic approach. But at mm-hmm. the time, 15 to 20 years ago, um, I was really just curious about why that was so different than the way that we were managing our health or the way that we were looking at our work. Uh, so I dove into studying a lot around yoga and Ayurveda, learned a lot about the methodologies of, of breath work and meditation and moving your body in sync with your breath. And it just opened up this whole new um, perspective for me that I didn't really understand scientifically, but I knew that uh, there was something to it and <laughs> there was a physiological aspect to it. So then I went down more of the Western side of studying behavioral science and neuroscience and really seeing like, oh, okay, the, these um, practices, these techniques really are scientifically validated from a, a Western approach. And so for me, I like to think about bringing these two very broad general areas, East and West together. And it's kind of like bringing masculine and feminine together. It's like bringing two parts of yourself, like bringing your your wellness and your business together. So I kind of see that um, while we might be thinking or acting in different ways in certain areas of our life, we can make that correlation that, you know, that might be like a more Western approach <laughs> to a certain area of our life. And then we can also have a more Eastern approach to certain areas of our life. And eventually, as we kind of practice these different techniques, we come out with more of a balanced way of doing things and looking at the world. And hopefully we feel more balanced as well. Oh, I love that. I love what you said there about breath work and meditation and yoga, because those are practices that I personally have seen the benefit of. And you can tell that whenever you're going through a challenging time, or even if you just feel like you need to sort of recenter, when you do make time and space for those, or if you do have a, a practice of that, it can really it can really change the way you feel on the inside by getting back to our breath and using that as a function of reducing anxiety and, you know, reducing Mm -hmm. our, our breath pattern and all of that. So I love that you talked about that. And another really interesting point that you made there was about the group mentality or the collaboration mentality in other cultures. Mm -hmm. And this is something that I have definitely noticed myself as well, because I've lived in a couple different third world countries when I was a scuba diving instructor, lived in Australia and Australia is very much a collaborative country as well. They're very family and events focused. Whereas coming back to North America, I did notice that big cultural shift that it is very individualistic. It's Mm -hmm. kind of every person for themselves. Everybody's trying to hit that next level, that hustle culture. A lot of people are not even interested in having families and raising children anymore because they're so career focused and don't necessarily want to date long-term or things like that because everything is about success and, you know, the, the financial aspects of things or how it's going to get us ahead or, or the bigger house, the bigger car, all of these things, as opposed to coming back to like, what's important 
in life, what do you remember on your deathbed? Mm-hmm. It's not about the promotions and, and all of that that we're striving so hard to achieve. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And I think it really is interesting to see how these cultural dynamics play out, how that individualist approach to our lives uh, can often lead us to feel isolated. Um, It can often also make us seek out individual support, uh, like one-on-one therapy or one-on-one coaching. And there's definite value in that, but there's also value in um, group coaching as well and Uh being part of a group and you really can can learn from that collaborative approach and I have I never would have thought that uh, before I personally experienced that I definitely would have been more of the the individual mindset Um, but it really has opened my eyes to to see how valuable it is to learn from other people and to not try to solve your problems in isolation but to solve your problems with the support of a group. Mm, yep. Yep. You really struck a nerve there with not trying to solve your problems in isolation. I think that that is something that I see a lot in my business. I see a lot with people in my network. Everybody's so afraid to ask for help Mm -hmm. or to ask for support in a particular area that they should know exactly what they're doing when they start something new or when they take a new role or do a career change or get back into the workforce after having children They feel like they should, you know, Mm -hmm. should this, should that. And, and because of it, they struggle on the inside so much because it's it's like, well, why am I not better at this? Why do I not have this knowledge In, in my business? What I hear from a lot of women is that they don't like asking silly questions because they feel like they should know more about money. And Mm -hmm. that they feel shame that they never learned about it at a young age and that they have such a low baseline knowledge that they don't even like asking questions because they feel silly asking these questions. Right. And I think that's where, you know, if you can recognize what you're afraid to ask questions about, (laughs) and then Mm -hmm. you can find a group of people who's willing to talk about that topic and ask questions. I mean, it can just open the lid on so many things and you will start to be more willing to ask questions in other areas of your life as well, because it, it, there is a lot of that um, individualist shame, shall we say, if we're going to go back to East totally. and West, right? Yep. And this idea that, um, you know, we should be perfect right out of the gate. Uh, and I see that in younger people as well. I feel like it, you know, trying to teach young people that it's okay to fail is a real challenge. Getting frustrated when you try something the first or second time and it doesn't work out the way you've seen it on TV or um, somewhere else makes you feel like you're inadequate at it, but that's not the case. You just need to learn and learning comes from being curious and, and asking and having conversations. So yeah, yeah, a group can definitely help support you with that. Yeah. And like you said, you know, trying things and, and not having this expectation that it's going to be a perfect home run just because you saw something that somebody else did on online or in a TV show or on Instagram or something. And you expect that, oh, if you try this thing, then it's automatically going to succeed. And then you get down on yourself because it didn't when so many ideas don't work on the first try, right? It might be the fifth or sixth or seventh try that that finally mm-hmm. somebody has some success in whatever their new endeavor is. Yes. And I think that is one of the biggest um, challenges of owning your own business is 
that you will continually fail <laughs> and you have mm-hmm. to pull yourself up out of that uh, and, and not get completely down on yourself. And it's a challenge. It's a challenge in any area of life, but especially if you're a, an entrepreneur or just particularly a solopreneur or you have kind of your own practice or book of business um, and you don't necessarily have that that team there to talk things through, again, it can be more isolating and you can put yourself in a downward spiral pretty quickly. So it is great to have those lifelines that can help pull you out. Yeah, absolutely. So I know you work with a lot of women business owners in particular who are looking to get their time back, reclaim their energy. Let's talk a little bit about that for a moment and and what you mean by reclaiming their energy. Mm-hmm. And I would love if you could also touch on the difference between masculine and feminine energy, because I think that this is something that we're seeing a big shift in, particularly in the business world, when it comes to women stepping out of their feminine and into more masculine energy roles mm-hmm. uh, by by virtue of being business owners or or things like that. So I would love for us to touch on that for a minute. Sure. Yeah. Well, I think I unknowingly fell into, and I, I assume most people, most women my age that went along a similar path did as well, but it, you know, going to business school, studying business, uh, going through the the North American approach to um, education put me in more of that hierarchical uh, masculine space where it was about judging yourself based on someone else uh, and moving up a ladder, like literally this, this very logical approach to business. And when I lived abroad and when I studied more, um, about the East, and I discovered more of this collaborative approach, I realized that there was a lot of value in that. And then when I started coaching, I began to see that there was a natural tendency for women to collaborate and men to compete a little bit more. And I know this is very broad um, gender generalization. So pardon me, not trying to offend anyone, but I just have noticed some tendencies and they play out uh, in the coaching dynamic as well. So what I found from that, and and actually um, taking a course in my MBA program, it was a communications course. And I remember distinctly, we were watching a video about a male and female communication, and it took it back to children and how little boys communicated and how little girls communicated. And of course, this was a, a Western approach, although um, I was fortunate enough, my school was very international. But it really, you could really see that the little boys were competing on, you know, my dad can hit the ball out of the park and my dad can drive the truck here. So they were trying to level each other up. And the little girls were trying to like, oh, here, you know, let me help you with your doll. So this stuff starts from a very young age, um, these, these influences and that collaborative socialization can really, I think, help women leaders and women business owners uh, in this new space that is basically, I, I think business is changing. Business is shifting from a predominantly masculine approach and there's more of this feminine energy coming in. And I think we see this uh, in conversations. We're seeing it in 
um, the media and literature. You're seeing books about how women lead. I think that's a popular one that's out right now. So there's definitely a distinction there. And when you're looking at women needing to reclaim their energy, um, for me, that can cover, again, a, a more holistic space. So could be that they need to reclaim some um, sense of ownership of that feminine style and be okay with that in their leadership role uh, and not have to follow that hierarchical approach. Or it could be that they literally need physical energy because they have put so much out into their work or out into their family, um, out into their community, and they literally need to refuel themselves uh, physically, mentally, and emotionally. So there's kind of this um, more esoteric uh, approach, maybe if we're talking about the feminine masculine, and then there's a very practical approach to the energy that you need to reclaim to run and lead your business. Yeah, absolutely. And what would you say are some of the ways that women can reclaim or recharge, as you say, their energy things, maybe quick little practices that they could do throughout their workday, things like that? I would say a quick practices are going to be movement and breath that you could do. Literally, you need about 90 seconds to shift your nervous system. Um, unless you are, if you're feeling like you're at the edge of burnout and you're kind of constantly overwhelmed, then this 90 second trick isn't necessarily going to do it. Um, in that case, you're going to need, you know, you've, you've built up this situation in your body and it's going to take a little more to unravel it but um, just extending your exhalations. So, and doing that for about five breaths, uh, even as little as three, right? That could be about 90 seconds. That can literally shift your nervous system. And all you have to do is really think about, can I make my exhales twice as long as my inhales? And do that briefly. And that should give you enough of a pause and enough of a, a shift that you can collect yourself and then, make that next choice that needs to be made mm, in the in situation. If you are in that state where you've kind of reached that frazzled <laughs> piece, uh, you're, you're tired, but wired per se, you're probably going to need um, some more support in unraveling the situation. Sleep, I feel like is obviously um, one of the, the biggest things that you can start working on. And that can be challenging if you are in that tired but wired state because you can, you know, suffer from insomnia and just feel like you can't get to sleep. And so it's not just a matter of taking a warm bath and you're going to fall asleep <laughs> um, in that in that case, there's a lot more complexity to it. But if you're not in that extreme kind of adrenal fatigue place, then, yes, looking at your evening routine, looking at ways that you can wind down your evening and get to bed even just 15 minutes earlier will have a drastic improvement on your overall wellness and energy levels. Um, and then I'm trying to think of a third one here off the top of my head. Uh, I, I think it kind of comes down to what is your motivational style and maybe we could call it what is your venting style <laughs> to think of this tip. So the, what I want to lead people toward is that if you're feeling a lot of tension and stress uh, from work, 
you need to let that go in some way. You need to kind of release that energy, if you will. So um, for me is typically calling a friend or a family member and just articulating it. Um, another thing that works well for me is being out in nature. So a walk or something like that for other people, it might be writing, um, like a stream of consciousness thing. And then, um, putting that through the shredder for others, it could be a therapist. There are a lot of different things that you could do, but just consider what is that go-to thing for you. That's going to take a little bit more time than the breath work per se, but it's also hopefully going to help you reset and kind of get some of that negative or frustrating energy out so that you can start to recenter yourself and bring a more renewing energy into yourself. Yeah, I love that. My go-to, one of my go-tos is journaling. Sometimes in the middle of the day, Mm -hmm. I'll feel myself spiraling. Maybe it's uh, an email that frustrated you, or maybe it's a phone call or, or something that has ticked you off from the day before. Maybe it's something your partner said or whatever. And I feel like as soon as you get it out and whatever that method is for each person, because not everybody's a journaler, not everybody's a talker, you know, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. But once you actually face it, instead of trying to work it out in your head and then end up spiraling, you end up getting so much more clarity. And it's Mm -hmm. like you can come to a solution or a resolution much quicker than if you just try and sort of go around in circles. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we try and we try and put a piece, a puzzle together by putting the pieces together in our brain, as opposed to verbalizing it. And then we're like, Oh, that sounds really silly now that we've said it or writing it down on paper and being like, actually, this is not that big of a deal. Like I just vented and got it off my chest. Yeah. And that's a great analogy. I love that visual of, of the puzzle pieces in your head versus the puzzle pieces laying out on a table or, mm-hmm. or laying yeah. out, you know, in the air in a conversation, there's more space outside of you than there is in your brain. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the things that will, will help people too, is doing this before they go to sleep so that by the time their head hits the pillow, mm-hmm. I know insomnia or, or sleep, deprivation affects a lot of people Mm -hmm. and a large part of it is caused from stress, right? Because we're Mm -hmm. going to sleep at night thinking of all these things that we either didn't say, didn't do, are having a reaction to, you know, somebody said something that triggered us and then we're thinking about our rebuttal or our, how we're going to deal with a situation rather than just either getting it down on paper or talking it out with somebody and that's keeping people up at night. It's it's physically affecting them because then they're not sleeping for an extra two hours because they're taking so long to fall asleep. They're not as productive the next day. They're then become coming short-tempered and angry. And then it just goes in circles like that. So you can see how that has a flow-on effect. Absolutely. So um, when it comes to working with your clients, how do you find you integrate this Eastern approach with the Western approach to actually prevent burnout or to work towards getting people into more balance? It is a somewhat customized approach, but then there's also a more standard framework that's kind of the foundation. So uh, in my 90-day group coaching program, I have content that addresses uh, 10 daily habits to sync you with circadian rhythm. So that's kind of giving you that framework to get your physical body and your mind into a space to 
kind of harness your energy. And then the other um, piece of content is the sustainable CEO system that I have, which is about really understanding how to prevent distraction, to understand how you're identifying and, and the habits and behaviors that could be holding you back and, you know, beliefs that you want to build in to move you forward. So there's kind of two sets of um, curriculum, if you will, that build that foundation for you. And then in the group coaching aspect, um, I help clients move through first clarifying what it is that they really want, their vision for their business and their life, uh, and also articulating their values. And then once we have that clear picture of who they are and how they want to live, then we start to simplify that picture down into habits. And then from those habits, we simplify even further into micro strategies for how to make those habits consistent. And that is going to depend on the individual person. It's going to depend on her motivational tendency. Um, It's going to depend on her life circumstances. And so we take all that into consideration and we test it, essentially. We've got the, the 90 days there to work through building these systems for her wellness and her business. And the third aspect of that is refining it. Basically, it's that um, rinse, refine, repeat type of scenario where you come back to the group, you share what's worked, what hasn't worked, and we start to build that level of self-awareness. Oh, here's what worked. Here's why it worked. Oh, how interesting. Here's what didn't work. I'm not really sure why it didn't work. So I'm going to try X next time to see if that approach, that strategy would help um, implement this. So, you know, that can be as concrete as um, a visual image that cues you to do a specific habit. It could be an alarm. It could be the support of a friend who's doing something with you. There are a lot of different tools and techniques that you can use to create strategies to implement the habits that are going to lead you toward um, essentially the goals that you have. But those goals obviously are built on a bigger vision um, about your full quality of life, not just, you know, the financial metrics in your business or the number on a scale, right? right. Uh, so yeah. for your wellness. Whatever it, it is that they're working towards. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you need metrics uh, when you lay out your goals, but also the metrics ultimately aren't what you want. It's how you want to feel when you reach that metric. That's actually what you're striving for, whether you realize it or not. So we try to get clear on what that feeling really is in the first mm-hmm. place. And then we can design for that feeling essentially. Yeah. So, and I, and I love what you said there about values because there can be a little bit of a gray area sometimes when people look at values, like what they think they should value versus what they actually value. Mm-hmm. And I was reading a really good book earlier this year called ego is the enemy by Ryan holiday. Mm-hmm. And it talks about how so many people have values that are based on societal values or what society thinks we should be doing, should be achieving, how our business should be going and and that kind of thing versus, as you said, the, the feeling that we want to have from accomplishing something. And one of the quotes that I saw the other day, and I'm probably going to butcher it, was, you know, you're really, truly living your purpose if no one can pay you to take it away from you. Mm. 
And I was like, oh, that's so interesting because would you do it for no money essentially, or would you sell it if somebody took, you know, paid you to take it away from you? And I think that when we are working towards some of these things, whether it's our, our finances or improving our weight, it's like, it's getting clarity on why we're working towards that. Is it an ego metric or is it an intrinsic value? Mm-hmm. And, and Absolutely. we're always going to stay more, you know, more true to our values. Yeah. And I think kind of bringing this conversation full circle, that's, that's actually really interesting because if, as we've been saying, you know, in the West where this individual is culture, we think that we're in control of our desires, our goals, our values. We think that we came up with them and we really want them. But if we dig a little bit deeper, it's, is that collective cultural conditioning that influences a lot of those desires. And so it's peeling back the layers of where did that desire come from? And is it really Mm -hmm. truly in your gut? And there's nothing, in my opinion, there's nothing wrong with having a a desire to achieve financial, particular level of financial success or to have a particular thing like a, a car or a piece of art or something. something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah. It totally, if that, really is going to give you that feeling and that experience that you're looking for, then go for it. That's not something that I'm saying to label as wrong, but I think it's really fascinating that what, what you're talking about and what we've talked about earlier is that we think we have these individual ambitions, but it's really fascinating to peel it back and see where did that ambition start? Did that start because of our family influences? Does it start from our cultural influences or is it really at the heart of who we are and, and how we want to live our lives? Mm, mm, I love that. So I guess my last question really is around boundaries. This is, this is something that I know is becoming a major buzzword, especially when it comes to preventing burnout, setting boundaries around our time, what we say yes and no to, how we want to manage our business, our personal life and things like that. What would you say is your opinion or or some of the things that you feel about boundaries and how it can either, you know, be something that can, people can incorporate or or not? Well, I do think it is or it has become kind of a trendy buzzword and yet I believe in the concept and I think um, underneath the word is essentially clarity of communication. And so if we think about boundaries as um, better communication habits in our relationships, I think we can look at it from that perspective that when we're communicating a boundary effectively, we're less likely, uh, and when we're clear about why we have that boundary, we're less likely to feel guilt about it. We're less likely to feel bad because we're saying no to something. And I feel like that is becoming more and more important because we do have to say no, we can't do everything. And there is a lot of pressure to do it all, especially, you know, when it comes to to family, to work, to health, to fitness. I mean, there's infinite, um, you know, expectations out there that we could put on ourselves. And so there are your external boundaries with the relationships um, that you have in your life. Those could be the 
the people that you work with. It could be your family, your friends. Even if you think about it, you do have boundaries with your pets even. <laughs> and that's a level of communication and, and training and expectation that you have um, with that yeah, animal. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So I sort of see boundaries as um, the communication habits. And then if you think about your daily habits and rituals, those are things that are the daily practices that kind of keep you energized, right? So you can think about changing your personal habits, but if you need to change something um, outside of you that involves someone else, it's probably a space where you need to communicate clearer boundary. So I think it's important. I think it's a great skill and it's not a skill that I, you know, necessarily see a ton of people mastering. I don't even know that it is possible to master it because I think it's an ongoing conversation. Uh, And I think for the rest of our lives, we're constantly creating and dissolving different types of boundaries in our relationships. And so just practicing that skill of first clarifying what it is that you need and why you need it to yourself, and then being able to communicate it to the other parties involved and being willing to continually practice with other people because when you communicate it the first time doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be heard or practiced because that other person now has to establish a new habit um, and how they, especially when it comes to family. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yep. That, that is definitely, I know personally I am challenged with that. So I think everybody is, you know, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and I and I think boundaries are one of those things that we we don't set them because we don't want to let other people down, right? Mm-hmm. We want to be available, we want to help people, we want to be supportive and say yes or we don't want to upset somebody by saying that we can't go to their wedding or that we aren't available on a certain day for their birthday party or something like that. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, by setting these boundaries, we are valuing our time and our own energy above somebody else's. And what I know from my own burnout is that when you say yes to too many things or you don't create enough boundaries, you're allowing people access to you that isn't in alignment with what you need. And when we start setting those clear boundaries, we actually can recharge our energy very quickly because now all of a sudden we're honoring ourselves more. Yes. And and I actually even see it as as not necessarily... um, putting our energy above someone else's, I actually think it's more of like a, if you put out too much of your energy, you are damaging that relationship because Mm -hmm. you can't, it's, it's, I mean, I'm sure there are people who believe it is a, a never ending source of energy, but, um, at some point you weaken your ability to do your work or have that communication or relationship. And especially if you know that you are someone who's more introverted and not necessarily driven by external communication. So I think it's not necessarily um, feeling like you're putting yourself above someone else, but it's just respecting Mm -hmm. the fact that for you to uphold future appointments, let's say, like let's say it's Mm -hmm. a birthday party for you to uphold that friendship in the future. If you're physically not able to show up to the party because you're just exhausted and depleted, it's better for you to hold 
that boundary for your physical health so that you can keep hanging out with this person in the future. And I think we're also so afraid that in saying no, like you said, we're going to disappoint. And the reality is most people are never as disappointed as you think. Um, You know, you think the world's going to crash if you don't keep all the balls in the air. And that is typically just not the case. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good point. It's such a good point. Sometimes when people aren't available for me, I feel like I invite them only out of obligation. And when they say they're not available, I'm actually secretly like, yes, I didn't actually (laughs) want to do that thing anyway. (laughs) So yeah, this has been, this has been so helpful. I love everything that you've said about incorporating different types of practices and that it's not all one or all the other. It's, it's a combination of really what feels good for you and, and what serves you. Where can people find you and what have you got coming up in the new year in terms of uh, working together with either your group or your one-on-one coaching? Uh, Well, people can find me on all of the social platforms uh, and at my website under my name, which is S like smile, Brooke with an E, Bailey. So S Brooke Bailey is my handle um, and also my website. And in terms of um, what I have available, I I do have a free masterclass if you're interested in diving into establishing better boundaries and reclaiming your time. And you can get that for free at sbrookbailey.com forward slash masterclass dash registration. Uh, And that'll take you through five steps to creating guilt-free boundaries. And if you're an entrepreneur, it'll walk you through how to um, reclaim five hours each week of your time, which is pretty sweet in, oh, in less than 40 <laughs> minutes of training. Uh, and then uh, for my group coaching, that is an ongoing um, enrollment. It's a 90 day group coaching program called Balance Business, Balance Life Blueprint. You can find out more about that on my website, sbrookbailey.com and the work with me tab. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. This has been so insightful. We will link all of those down below in the show notes. So if you did want to click directly into that, you can just scroll down into the caption. And thank you so much. This is so timely. We can get people set up with some new habits, some things to think about for 2023. I know that as soon as we come into a new year, people start to reassess everything that's working well or isn't working well for themselves. So I think that there will be a lot of value for them to be listening to this. Great. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Okay. When we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. And if you love this episode, please share it to your Instagram story and tag me at sandra.m.joe. I would be forever grateful if you left me a five-star review and sent it to a friend so that I can reach as many people as possible. For more information on my financial coaching and how we can work together, check out my website at sandrajoe.com. And until next time, have a great day and go make that money, honey.